Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. I'm super fired up for this one. I'm here with Tyler Babin, who's an art director for one of my favorite people, Gary Vaynerchuk, which is probably evident by the uh, 15, no, I'm kidding, the 15 VaynerMedia uh, podcasts I've done. But uh, Tyler, you've been a huge inspiration to me, and it's been so cool to, uh, to be here with you. Um, and we almost got stuck in the elevator. That would have been a far better story, but we're now in a nice conference room. So thanks for being here, man. Awesome. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. You let me be on. Um, I agree. It would have been a way more fun experience <laughs> recording this in an elevator. But we were thinking about like how we can do it on like Facebook Live. That would have like, been the best. Yeah, cool. But I guess this works too with a nice view in New York. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, the view here is absolutely ridiculous. So let's get right into it. Um, and thank you, by the way. And this is like after hours for you, so this is really cool. But yeah, so tell me about your journey um, leading up to VaynerMedia and and what was it like before you worked here? It's funny if we go if we go way back. It actually started through magic tricks, believe it or not. So I was in sixth grade. Um, I got paired up with uh, uh, who who became a good friend. This kid named Philip, who had just uh, come to America from Korea, spoke no English. We got paired up to be locker partners, and so we couldn't talk to each other, but he could do like the most badass card tricks ever. And he wouldn't tell me how to do them because he, like, couldn't – we couldn't, like, communicate. But uh, so I found, like, a magic shop in town. I went to it, and I started asking, like, the guy who owned it how to do all these tricks. And so I started, like, playing with cards and, like, got into, like, sleight of hand and stuff like that. Um, But I was was an only child, and so I was, like – I spent a lot of time just, like, alone in the house when my parents were at work. And so I needed to, like, see what the trick looked like from the perspective of the person who would be, like, on the other side of me. So I started using a camera to uh, record the whole trick. But then when I found out in editing, I could make tricks way more entertaining than what they actually were. So I could, like, throw something across the room. Yeah, I could, like, jump cut and, like, cut out the part where I move the ball to the other side of the table. Um... And so that's how I sort of got into editing. Um, I was really fortunate that I, I sort of kept making these, like, videos for YouTube. They're still on there. If you, like, search my name of me, like, doing these montages with cards and things oh, like that, they're, they're amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're actually super cringeworthy. I, I really need to take them down. Um, but uh, so I kept doing that, got way more into editing. And then kind of a shift started happening where I was enjoying the editing process way more than I was anything else. Um, I was super fortunate that I went to a high school that had a very advanced, uh, like film and video program. So it was like, we had a, yeah, it was like a, it was like a weekly, um, news show that we put together. Like iMovie was it? Um, we were using Premiere. We were using a really like early version of Premiere. Um, and so I got really into that. By the way, so this is ninth grade. So I'm 14. Ended up spending a lot of time in that class, got so deep into it that it was like literally didn't go to lunch or anything, just like sat in this like computer lab, just chopping away um, all throughout high school. And so by the end of it, I like really came out of that class with a good base of knowledge. Um, I never really intended going to college. Uh, I sort of saw like the new media wave that was going on and I was like, oh, I think I see a niche here that I can get into. Um, But my parents highly disagreed with that and they're like you're going to college um i had terrible grades throughout high school so the the only thing i could get into was like the local community college um went there and i as unfortunate as it is because my parents probably listen to these podcasts like i think i mentally checked out about four hours into like my first day of like community college i was like i've always even though like i had shitty grades and everything and been like super hungry my whole life and always like wanted to go get it and then I found myself in this classroom that was like an overpopulated school no one around me was really doing anything 
super interesting. Like, it, I don't know, it just, it was super sluggish. So really kind of checked out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of going to classes, spent the majority of my time in the library on my laptop um, working on personal work. And so this is when I started transitioning out of, uh, out of like the heavy design work more into uh, photography. And so by complete accident, I somehow started calling myself a fashion photographer. I had started like a Facebook page for like my photography and like three weeks into it, I get a call from like a fashion designer in Tallahassee and she's like, I lost my photographer. I typed in photography. You were like the first person that came up. Do you want to come do this shoot? I have no idea what I'm doing. I roll up like a shoot for a couple hours and they ended up really liking the images and they're terrible. But I was like, all right, I got something. So I'm like, cool, I'm a fashion photographer. Like that's what I'm going for. And so I spent the next, uh, I guess, three to four years in Tallahassee shooting almost every day. I was like um, just finding like friends and like girls off Instagram. And I'd be like, yo, like, let's just meet up here. Like we'll take photos and like, you can have them. You know what I mean? It was just me like building out my own portfolio. Yeah. I mean, it was just like trading, you know, time for images and things like that. So you've always kind of had that hustle thing. Like 100%. Any time, like I, I really freak out on the days that I have nothing to do. So it's, I mean, even now as I'm building like some level of success in my world, if I have a free day, I literally go back to that. Like, I'll go to Instagram right now, search in our neighborhood. I'll find someone, DM them, and be like, yo, for free, let's just go hang out and shoot photos. Because yeah. it's just constantly, like, I just want to, like, keep refining. And yeah. that's just what, what gets me Instagram going. Too. Yeah, it's so cool. It just seems so, like, freeform. Yeah. That's, that's the cool thing is, like, my Instagram is, like, it's all personal work. Like, none of that's really, like, paid stuff. It's just me, like, going out and I'm testing every day and trying to yeah. – to, unlock new stuff. Anyways, I'm calling myself a fashion photographer. I'm shooting all these images. Um, Finally, uh, through a lot of weird loopholes, we can skip ahead in the story. I'm 22, have a really intense freak out on my birthday, thinking that I've like missed my shot. And I'm like, fuck, I, 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 so I had a lot of like weird really early success like 17 18 i was winning like these weird photography awards and i ended up like shooting my first magazine cover when i was 19 and i was like it's gonna fucking pop off now and then like two years of absolute downtime like nothing happened for two years and i was like i missed it like i should have jumped at this point and now it's over and so i was like i have to get really really serious about how i'm like treating my life so i won this award from sony called emerging photographer right so they would pick two photographers a year that were like on the come up and they were like these are the emerging photographers of the year they're gonna go do something and so i think when that happened i sort of like downshifted and i was like cool like i'll wait for it to come to me you know what i mean like and then at 22 i was like fuck nothing's happening like freak out mode like i missed it um no one's looking for you right that's such a huge important distinction 100 percent they're looking for you and so I had kind of a weird reset um, at that time. I was a stock boy at Staples for a little bit. Like I had to like really, really like be humble and like figure my shit out. Yeah. Um, so I did that for a while. There was one day I was driving to work as a stock boy and I was like, I'm going to die one day. This like, it's time to stop fucking around. And so I got the words work harder tattooed on my arm That's every day. Great. I looked at that. Um, <laughs> And then about a month later, I was able to leave that job and got my first, I consider it my first real job, uh, as sort of an art director, creative director for a, um, a little startup in Tallahassee that was creating, like, whenever, like, EDM, like, music festivals were at their, like, peak, they were creating, like, the outfits for it. And so I was doing all the, like, photography and ideation on different ad campaigns they were doing. 
I did that for a year. We about doubled the growth of that company. It like wow. really exploded. Things were going great. Um, and I was like, still, I was like, I wasn't happy. I knew that like I wanted to be in New York. I had been following Gary for like four years at this point. Um, and I was like, all right, if if I'm gonna go do the New York thing, like it's time to to do it. Right. And so I started applying to every single internship um, I could find. Uh, meanwhile, at this point, I've now dropped out of college. Um, so getting an internship as a college dropout is really difficult. Right. But luckily. Uh, I get, a, I get an email at like 11 o'clock one night from VaynerMedia. They're like, we want to sit down and talk to you. I say, absolutely, let's do it. And then within two weeks, I was on a plane coming to New York. I've been listening to Gary a lot lately about your, your dreams and then like how your, your dreams don't come true. You like, you map it and reverse engineer, you know, whatever the semantics are, right? But I've been seeing so much change in my life from thinking and pondering and, and, and strategizing and how am I going to do this? And I never really made any actions on it. But now I'm kind of in a place where I am kind of doing what you did. I had that moment of like that you're going to die moment. I had these, these, these wild dreams. Like, you know, working here just in full transparency is, is one of those dreams. But I think a year ago I would have been like come here and just gone in for the right hook yeah. and just been like, yeah, I, I need this job. Now I'm in a place where it's like I'm kind of – you know, I'm talking with people like James Orsini and Claude and, and, you know, Steve Babcock and Steve Campbell and all these people. And it's more of like a slow process of actually like finding out what it takes and then going back to the drawing board and coming here again. But like trying to work towards that and making the dream a reality. Yeah. Um, and it's very hard to, to overcome that, that fear, that, that thing of like, you know, just going for it. Like what, are, what if they think... You know, what if Tyler doesn't respond to my thing? What if this doesn't happen? What about people like who are, who are in that position? They just had that moment. They just had that epiphany moment of like, shit, I'm going to die. Like, this is my life. And they're ready to take it by the reins. How do you overcome that, that fear and know that you're worth it? I think for me, it was when I realized that there's just no other alternative. Like, you're going to get old and die, and you can either go for it or you cannot. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like what other option do you have? It's, it's a mental thing. You have to be like, cool, what do I want to do? I always hear from people, and it's not that they doubt me, but they're looking out for me. They're like, you know, like, like I have these dreams, and I'm chasing these dreams. But people are very quick to be like, well, like, you know, like, settle into something, like, more, more stable. But I'm like, no. Like, I'm, I, I want to pursue that. I want to keep going. I want to, like, to make that happen. But... What is there a point of, like where it's too far, like where your aspirations? Like, have you ever had that? I mean, you got the job here, but what's the fine line between pushing too hard and not pushing enough? It's it's super tough because you want to look passionate and you want to um, to to stand out and like be a reoccurring name, mm -hmm. but it's re it's a really fine line, like you're saying, when you like cross over to that point of like, all right, this is fucking annoying, right. like let me breathe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're, we're like trying to navigate. Like we pretty much see everything. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it just comes down to like being so buried under like the normal job that we're still doing. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, so it's like anytime DRAC and I set out to like hire new editors or, or bring new people onto the team, it's a very sort of long and tedious process. And a lot of it mm -hmm. just comes down to like if your work's good enough and you know, you fit all that criteria, we're going to get to you. It's just, it comes down to like a patience game more than anything. There's actually, it's funny. There's a podcast I listen to 
every day leading up to my move to New York. Um, it's by Nick Onken. Have you ever heard of him? He's a photographer in Brooklyn, um, and he was interviewing Jeff Staple, who is founder of Staple Pigeon, who's like a, a streetwear designer also in the city. Um, and Jeff says this line, and I, I literally want it like tattooed on my forehead, and it's, you know how when you're like in a plane and they're like, cool, if the masks drop down, what do they say? They're like, put your mask on first before you help everyone else. Right. And that's sort of a really good way to approach life because, like, you have to take care of yourself and your own happiness and, like, achieving your own things before you can do anything else for anyone because, like, if you don't put your own mask on, like, you're going to pass out and you can't help. So, you know, I know that it was, like, I probably disappointed my parents really bad when I made that decision that, like, I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to go super against the grain. I'm going to move to New York with, like, no guarantees And it was just, like, I knew that I was going to kind of weaken that relationship for a minute. But once you have your own happiness, you're like, cool, like, I can upset you now, but I'll get to you, right? Like, like I got to take care of myself first and make sure I'm happy and, like, my mental state is where it needs to be. And then I can go back. And so now, like, ironically, my parents and I have a great relationship. And even though we had, like, a year of, like of kind of weird turmoil of like what what's he doing like my parents right. are like oh is he slacking off like what what is it i think that meanwhile you're fucking crushing it i mean <laughs> we're getting there yeah, yeah. but i mean that's my <clears throat> biggest thing is is i know how hard it is to look at your parents and see like no like you're not getting a college diploma like you no like i'm i'm leaving i'm going to move to the other side of the country for for me like right now i'm at a place where it's like okay on paper, you know, I've gotten to work with some cool companies. I got to work at like BuzzFeed Product Labs and um, and Hershey and all this different stuff. But like the money hasn't been consistent. Mm-hmm. But like I, I keep trying the, the way I try and convince talk to my parents about it is like if I get to where I'm going, like the money's not going to be like all of this money and the metro cars and all this shit. It's all going to be worth it. Right. So it's like sacrifice. And a lot of people don't want to make that sacrifice. Dude, sacrifice is so big. I mean, it was like I was saying. Like, so hopefully one day. Right. I mean, you know, like I said, I I spent my high school lunches sitting in a computer lab. You know what I mean? For one, I was super nerdy and, like, didn't know how to talk to people. So, like, that was probably, like, a selfish thing for me. But, like, I gave up a lot of, like, going out and, like, being able to be super social and have friends and, like, all this stuff. All building up to this thing where, like, now it's looking like I'm on a trajectory to do something interesting. Like, I don't know what that thing's going to be. Like, I don't know what the fuck to put on LinkedIn right now. But, like... It seems like something's gonna happen, and it's funny now, like getting those those emails from from like friends or, or people who I knew in high school that like want my advice on on X, Y, and Z, and I'm like cool, and, and they're like, yeah, you're so lucky, and like you're doing these things, and I'm like, well, don't forget, like yeah. I'm in the thick of it, you know, and right, I'm, right, I'm still right. like grinding every day. Yeah. Um. So you have to determine what you want more. You know, it's do you want this dream life? Do you want the ability to to live on your own terms and and all that, or do you want to like chill on the weekends? You know, yeah. like it's it, did you like, set in on one, or did you have like, or did you? So like for me, I've always had it in my head like VaynerMedia, Facebook, uh, you know, Google, these companies like that. It's like I would, I'm just very like, I apply for the jobs. But I'm always working towards like the North Star. Did you have that, or did you just kind of move to New York and be like, "I got to the fuck out of Dodge" kind of thing? Like, how did that come up? Um, in your head? Like, how did you know that New York was it? So New York had been on my mind since I was in like eighth grade. I made like I came here like a school trip. I was like, "This is it. Like okay. New York's where I'm gonna live." And then whenever 
like I was saying, like when I was in the early years of like calling myself a fashion photographer and all that, I like made friends in the fashion photography game and they were like, if you want to do this, you've got to go to New York to do it. I ironically, like the first day I moved to New York was like, fuck this, I don't want to be a fashion photographer anymore. I realized I actually wasn't shooting fashion the whole time. Yeah. I was shooting like a weird lifestyle portraiture thing mm. that I could wrap up as fashion because it sounded fancier. Right. Which is kind of like a funny right. thing in like retrospect. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. That was like way more of what I was doing. So New York was always was always the goal. It was always like that's the location. Um, I always knew that's where like the next unlock would be. I'm really big with when people uh, or, or you know creatives ask for advice. One of my biggest things is you can take you can like watch as many tutorials or practice as much as you want, yada, yada. But like, it's super important to put yourself around people that are far better than you because you'll sort of have this like fight or flight moment of like adapting and like you can like battle with those people yep. or like you'll just not. Ironically um, enough, I actually do that with you. It's, it's weird. Mm -hmm. I, I understand like you're a normal guy, but I yeah. do that with you. Right. Like I see how you and the other Tyler and D-Rod, right. you know, I see your shit, I'm like, fuck, what am I doing? No. But I purposely follow you and all these influencers now mm. to be like, okay, like if I can come up to half of that, that's more than I was going to do in the first place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, so it's. Gotta get that 10,000. There you go. Flow, Bang. That 2,000 <laughs> and fucking moving. I'm going to talk to your social media people, get my shit up. There you go. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, so I always knew, like, it was New York. I it was like, New York is the place where, you know, the best creatives in the world go to, like, make their their statement mm -hmm. so if i go put myself in the middle of all of it it'll like level me up mm -hmm. like big time yeah so that was always yeah, that was always the mission pennsylvania is not strong it, it's not <laughs> it's not like, especially yeah. not in tallahassee florida of yeah, all places yeah, yeah. it it had like a tipping point for me where i was like i just gotta get out of dodge like like i'm not gonna be where i want and so I started applying to everything. Okay. Just, I was like, I'll get to New York and then I'll figure it out. Like, I just need something to help me get there. Yeah. And so Vayner was obviously the number one choice. Um, and I'm glad it panned out that way. But basically every single agency and startup and everything uh, has had my resume probably go through mm -hmm. their door at some point. Yeah. And Vayner was ironically the only person that said yes. The route I took... Um, is funny because now I'm seeing a lot of other people do it and it's not working. So it's like, you always have to do something that's really, really different. So I designed an entire portfolio uh, for like Vayner specific. I registered the domain name intern for Vayner. Um, wow. and, and so like when they asked for a portfolio thing, like I had Vayner in the URL that they got sent, everything uh, had like Vayner branding. I mean, I went like really over the top with mm -hmm. being like, I really want to fucking work for Vayner, yeah. you know? Um, so all that happened. Oh, and, so and my- cool to hear this from you because I'm, I'm in that place now. It's yeah. like, how hard is too hard? We're going to find out. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so the, the funny thing is actually, I found out about the internship two days before the deadline. So it was two days of no sleep designing all this new stuff. I was like, my portfolio shit, I'm gonna light it on fire, everything's being retouched, like yeah. completely over the top. Um, which at the moment was cool because no one had ever really done that before. Yeah. And so when I uh, got that first call, they were like, okay, you went above and beyond, like you've you know, substantially like shown you wanna do this, so we want you. Um, the funny thing is now, like out of those 20 DMs, probably three of them have custom URLs that yeah, say they yeah, want to yeah. work for Vayner and like with yeah. Vayner branding and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, 
So that doesn't necessarily work anymore. Like it's it's been done. People have seen it. So you have to figure out what's that unlock. What's that thing that people haven't seen yet? Whether it's going through the C-suite or I don't know, you fucking rent a billboard down the street and yeah. have your name across it. Like I don't know well, what, I what that is. Like the thing that, that I did, and I don't know, like I don't work here, but I think that this will help for people trying to get in touch. It's like I came at this from a place of the company, mm-hmm. but I. I Got a little bit lucky because I, I met Steve, uh, Steve Babcock, and, and befriended him, and he was great. And we had a nice, like, chill talk. Yeah. And then I started caring about, like, the company. And I feel like a lot of people, their approach is just like, Gary! Like, yo, right. I want to work for Gary. And, yeah. like, there's 803 people that work here. My focus is on, like, the people of VaynerMedia, mm-hmm. not of how do I work with Gary. Yeah. It's how do I be number 804 and going to contribute to that, right. that, that bigger thing and really provide value. So. Yeah. I mean, so many people are probably just like, yo, Fab, you're the fucking man, bro. Right. I did video editing in college. <laughs> Give me your chance, man. Exactly. I and think it's, it's such a right hug and it's so like clunky. Yeah. I think, like you're saying, the people that want to work for Gary and just like go balls to the wall, like trying to get in with our team right. is generally not the best move because of how noisy it is. I came in as an intern. Like, I didn't work on Gary's team initially. I worked on a brand mm-hmm. in the VaynerMedia machine. I worked Budweiser yeah, yeah. for six months. Uh, making you know Instagram graphics, and then it it came down to a point where I just got lucky and like had a meeting with Gary like at the end of my runway, and things worked out that you know and it's funny because this is back when there were five people on the team, right. and not twenty five. Yeah. But it was like easier for me to slot in. But I think anyone that wants to work with Gary specifically, it's probably a way better move to just get a normal job at VaynerMedia, right, prove that there. like you've got what it takes and then start navigating once you're in the machine yeah it's gonna be way easier the vayner machine machine. yeah (laughs) now you're working at vayner and you're kind of you know traveling all over the the world um it's pretty insane to follow and i always like watch the the daily v's from you and drock and iris and you know everybody here so uh, shout out to all those guys i love them as well so what would your advice be to someone who is they don't have the experience yet, but they want to get that experience, and they they may be like fourteen or thirteen or whatever. Because uh, you guys have a lot of people that are like significantly younger. Like people call into like Ask Gary, they're like twelve years old, kind of yeah. thing. So what about people that are like really young and they and or or they just got into video and and they want to be just like you or D Rock or whoever? Like, where do you start? Like you you have to for one just get into it because you love it. It sounds really cliche to say that, yeah. but like. If I got fired tomorrow and was told I can never make another dime from being, like, an artist, I'd be like, cool. I'd go get a job at Starbucks, and every free moment I had would be spent creating my own shit, right? Because, like, I just love the process of making stuff and creating photos and videos and and all that. So I think at its core, you can't get into it because you want to have a lot of Instagram followers or you want to make a lot of money or things like that. Like, there's way better ways in the world to make money than, like, being a creative. So you have to get into it for the right reasons yeah. at the start because that's like what's going to – Yeah, yeah. I mean just – I'm broke but also I'm very fulfilled. Like I, ha- I don't have the, a lot of money but I've also because, never been Because like – Cool. Yeah, but you, like you're in it for the right reason. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you – if that was flipped, if you were like, cool, I'm only getting into it because I want to be rich and like all this stuff, like you wouldn't be having any success, right? right. I mean people do but it's much fewer and far between. I think I want these like majestic mentorship, like you know what I'm saying. Like, right. I want to talk to people that shouldn't be talking to you, kind of thing, and just like dope, bro, bro, like bro, perfect, bro. like that's that's Attack what it should be, life. you know, attacking <laughs> for. And so that for me at its core is like do it because you fucking love it, you know what I mean, and that it just makes you happy at yeah. the end of the day. Um, 
And then it's, for me, it's, I still to this point say yes to every single opportunity, no matter what it is, right. for the most part. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm getting better now. It takes a lot. No, well, no, no. no, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting better now at saying no to stuff yeah. because I'm stretching myself way too thin in a lot of a lot of chapters, and I do these like six months of intensity, and then I burn out for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to be smarter about saying no, but but for the most part, I say yes to to everything because like I never know what door is going to unlock mm-hmm. from that thing, and also I don't really have the audacity yet to be like I fucking made it. Like I don't need to do this anymore. Like I still try to like stay very humble and that I'm still like grinding and like building up and trying you to become like imposter syndrome. A thousand percent. Really? Hundred. Yeah. I mean, like even to this day, I I'm convinced everyone's gonna one day wake up and be like, how the fuck did he get this far? Really? I mean, like, I, like, That's really... It's so weird for me it's, to hear that. So a lot of people, a lot of people say it's weird. And of course, I can step back and be like, cool, there's no way I got this far and no one, like, caught on that I was, like, tricking them. Like, clearly something's working. But I 100% deal with imposter syndrome. You're just going to be in a box one day and they're going to get the fuck out kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it, it happens where, like, I, I compare myself to, to other people. I'm really bad about that. That's something I'm trying to get better at is, you know, I can, you know, someone might tag me in something on Instagram that's just, like, a random thing. And I'll look at it and be like, fuck, that's so much better than shit I do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just, like, it's, you know, a picture of a dog or something like that. You know, it's yeah. just how I am. Yeah. I just want to really quick on that. I, I know that uh, that Gary kind of jokes around about it a lot, um, and it's, it's kind of like funny to, to see you guys kind of like go head to head. And I know, I know you guys are like really good friends, but your relationship with D Rock, I think yeah. like one of the things you see like Daily V fans are going to be fucking hyped for this episode right now. But you know, you you work alongside D Rock and all these other editors and everything. But your relationship with him, I think like Gary sometimes like will jokingly mm-hmm. talk about you guys like, like pit you guys against each other kind of yeah. thing. But I know that you guys are probably, I would imagine, are kind of like uh, have like a brother relationship. Like it's all friendly and competitive. Can you talk to, to that relationship and, and what that's like? And do you guys kind of like push off each other? And, and how, how real is that competition? Because I feel like there's kind of a little bit of competition. A little bit, right? A thousand percent, right. Yeah. And it's cool to see. And I remember like the one day where like, I saw like this video that you did. And I've seen both sides. Sometimes like he'll put some shit out. I'll be like, oh, fuck. Like how's he going to respond? And then, like, a week or two later, I'll see, like, yours and be like, that's amazing. So what's that relationship like? And, uh, and what, what is that experience like when you're working alongside people that are so talented and people are kind of – I would imagine it's kind of scary. People are sort of coming for your position. They want to be the next Tyler. They want to be the next D-Rock. Yeah. So what's that relationship like with him? And then how do you, how do you grow from each other? Yeah. So that's a good one, by the way. That's a fucking fire question. They don't ask that on the other question. They other they podcast. don't, and it's a good one. That's so how you know I'm real as fucking my this. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so it's similar to to the thing I said earlier about surrounding yourself with people that are that are better than you and, and attacking. Um, so a thousand percent, D Rock has become one of my best friends. We have a very much of a brother relationship. Um, that being said, we hate each other 98% of the time because we are, like, it's so intense of how much I think both of us want to prove we're better than the other guy. Um, and you've gotten better together, which is definitely because cool, it's like, he gets better, you get better. He gets better, you get better. Right? That's, that's the thing. That's it's dope. It's funny. If I, like, really, if, we, if you look at some of the best episodes in Daily V history, it's been when D-Rock and I are, like, going at it. Of yeah. like trying to are you like actually fighting though or no no not yeah. not at all but but it's like 
he puts out, you know, a fire episode and I'm like, cool, I got to fire back as hard as I can. And so like, I'll do something really different and crazy. And then he's like, no, fuck that. I'm going to be number one. And so he does something different and crazy. And it's actually, I think it's been the best thing that could have happened for Daily V because we take two people that are like good at making videos and we're just like punching each other back and forth, right. trying to like get that number one spot. Do you think Gary um, did that on purpose? I don't know if it was on purpose now, but he definitely... Uh, encourages it now yeah. and so like he does That's you know beneficial to him. well yeah you'll notice you know he's always making references of um of trying to pit us against each other and and make better episodes even off camera a lot of times there's this funny moment when uh, Gary and I were in Amsterdam and he was like you see that episode D-Rock put out and I was like no and he's like I think it's the best work ever and he's like I'm mainly <laughs> just saying that to try to piss you off <laughs> and so it's like then I think I made one of my best episodes ever um so 100%, I think, I think it's actually something you should try and force yourself into. I, I, for whenever I was growing up, was very selfish and was like, I don't want to like hang out with other creatives. You're going to steal my ideas or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now D-Rock and I have a very like collaborative process and we spend so much time around each other and we're like exposed to the same thing. So it's interesting to see like the different directions we go. Um, D-Rock is like, I'm eternally grateful to him because like he had the spot first and I've Mm -hmm. learned an insane amount from him um and definitely wouldn't be anywhere near where I'm at now if it wasn't for for him pushing me yeah um but yeah I think that's that's a situation you should try and find yourself in find someone who's better than you that you can like really sort of go toe-to-toe with and uh and that'll push you into like really crazy new areas so you guys obviously have great compositional skills and great cameras and all that stuff but the editing I think the editing is where you and Dira, <laughs> where, where the competition is, right? Yeah. So, uh, can you maybe talk to that and like, what's your process like when you take like an eight, you know, you're out filming all this footage. Yeah. How do you even begin to to break that down? Editing, editing, editing. Fuck, editing is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. Because you can <laughs> take you can take that that eight hour you know batch of footage, give it to five different editors, and get five dramatically different products. And that's that's really cool. So much of the storytelling happens in uh, in the editing, um, and, and it's funny because like as for you know like the composition skills and like exposure and all that stuff is really it's just expected like you shouldn't be allowed to get in the door if you don't have those things yeah and then it's like the editing and the storytelling is that's like the secret sauce right lots of people especially now with how like fucking cameras are getting you can like tape a camera to someone's forehead and like have them walk around new york city and they're gonna get cool footage right yeah um but the the editing workflow, I mean, if we're going to get technical with Daily V, it's constantly, it's always evolving too, because editing is great and I love it, but it's really easy to get into like a really not fun funk with editing when you're just like chopping clips in Premiere for fucking 14 hours a day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's easy to get burnt I out. like hour podcasts. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you start like losing it. You know yeah. what I mean? And so... I, I'm always testing out new things. Sometimes I edit the episodes in reverse, so I start at the end of the day and like work backwards. There's uh, one episode where literally all the footage actually plays in reverse from the end of the day forward. Like oh, yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. I'll, I'll do anything I can to like make it fun. <laughs> you know, if it, yeah. if like I feel like I'm getting into that weird place. Uh, but how it is sort of at this current moment is we're sort of simplifying uh, the day a little bit more. Whenever you know, if, if we were looking at this a year ago, D-Rock was mainly filming and I was mainly editing, and we had an amazing workflow. It was one of the most painful, like, six or seven months of my life because it was literally D-Rock filmed all day, 
at like nine o'clock at night, he was handing me memory cards from the day. I would offload. I'd watch all the footage because I didn't know what, what had happened that uh, day. Like so I, I have, the, yeah. right, like I have Gary's schedule, but right. I still have to watch all of it. So from nine until four in the morning, I just watch all the footage and pull out That's the clips insane. I like, <laughs> sleep for three hours, wake up at seven, get back to the office, and then have about five to eight hours to do the edit, uploading the episode around 7.30, 8 o'clock at night, Damn. take 30 minutes to rest, <laughs> D-Rock hands me memory cards again. And it was that seven days a week for six or seven months. Wow. It was terrible. It was it was amazing, but it was terrible yeah. because D-Rock and I just... I knew how he was filming. He knew how I was editing. We had this like fucking ballet dance of like creating daily episodes that was yeah. so insane. And even if you go back and watch that batch, I think it's from like episode 90 to episode like 170, somewhere in there, like that chunk of time. There's something about like the flow of those episodes that's still just like so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it used to be going through, picking out a clip from every single uh, or picking out like a little piece of every clip that D-Rock would film. We used to want to show every single meeting, every single handshake, every single selfie, and all that stuff. And now we're at a place where it's like, cool, everyone's seen that. Yeah. So let's take the three best moments, which and now it's like whatever we film, D-Rock and I are editing our own footage, or Iris or whoever's jumping in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we have a much better idea of what happened that day. Right. And so I will, I'll sort of know you know, at the end of the day, after filming, I'll know what the episode's about, like, right. already in my head. Yeah. And I can go through, I quickly pull out the the two or three, like, in general, like, the way it plays in my head is, like, opening sequence for, you know, a minute to a minute and 45 seconds, which is, like, where I get to, like, stunt on my edit of, like, I just do, like, a cool edit to, like, music yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's usually the opening montage of a city or, or you something. Or do, like, the, the pops. I mean, you guys did that for a little Yeah, like, well, or, like, lately I've been using, like, shutter clicks to, like... Love that, by the way. Um, yeah. And so, like, that gets you into, like, the first act, right? Yeah. Which usually will go into the first... Um, two to six minute section that's like the keynote or the meeting or like whatever it is and then in general I'll do a second uh, like interlude breakdown of another cool montage thing I'll throw music I'll time lapse you know certain meetings whatever it may be right. um, into the second main act which is the next two to six minutes whatever it may be right. and then the final like wrap it all together normally D-Rock and I both have a similar thing we like to do it's like that's where we bring in the more like emotional music or whatever yeah. with voiceover and then it's like the highlight b-roll moments yeah. and like that's that's an episode right um sometimes it changes sometimes we're like this 20 minute meeting was fire so like just play that 20 minute meeting yeah. you know what I mean it's the thing about like being on Gary's team and working on this is no two days are the same. We're we're constantly breaking our own patterns and and trying new things and figuring out what's working, what's not working. I think that's why the content is able to stay so fresh, even though we're putting out a fucking obnoxious amount of it. Um, it's because we're never we're never doing the same thing twice. It's yeah. always breaking those patterns, doing something new. Yeah. That's the fucking greatest answer of, like, ever. Right. Let's wrap this up. You've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much, man. The more I do this podcast, the more I realize that, like, people are, like, they put their pants on, like, one leg at a time and everyone's just normal. Like, I feel like if Gary walked in here right now, I'd be like, oh, fuck, that's Gary Vaynerchuk. But I wouldn't, like, lose my mind. Yeah. But, uh, really, you are, you are a huge influence to me. Um, it's been super cool to do this. This has been a lot of fun. This is, like, bucket list for sure. So where can people find you online? Uh, I know you have, a, you have a badass Instagram handle. And in Twitter, is it all the same one? Is it? 
No, I, I need to actually put in work and try and get Babin on, on Twitter and just across the board. Locked um, like billionaire. I know. I finally, it, it took me long enough. I finally locked down uh, Babin on Instagram, which is just B-A-B-I-N. Um, and then I think Twitter's Tyler underscore Babin. Facebook's Babin. I, I don't know. Find me on Instagram. That's yeah. that's the only platform I really care about at the moment. <laughs> um yeah, but I mean, I'm on YouTube. I'm I'm trying to upload vlogs occasionally, or like little passion projects go up on there. Cool. Um, pretty much, just search my name. You'll you'll find me. Awesome, dude. It's been great. This is awesome. Much love, respect, macro, macro. Thanks for checking out this episode of Meet the Creatives. If you enjoyed it, uh, make sure you add me on Instagram, Meet the Creatives NY, and let me know your thoughts. And make sure you subscribe on iTunes. Have a wonderful day. Peace.